Thank you for listening to Changed by His Word, a podcast of Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church featuring the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We invite you to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for worship. For more information, visit us online at pinelevelmbc.org. And now for today's message. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, the Bible says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But for whoever loses his life, for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And Jesus was saying to them, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. You know, baseball season is just around the corner. Amen. It'll be here before you know it. As a matter of fact, we're just one week away from the start of spring training. As one writer explains, and I quote, The purpose of spring training is to allow new players to try out for the sport, for a spot on the team, while existing team members practice in order to get back in top shape for the coming season, end of quote. I mean, it's here that you find that the focus, the desire of every player is an opportunity to be able to compete, but not just compete, to be able to win the World Series. To be a World Series champion. Now, if you'll fast forward to the end of baseball season, towards the end of September, the beginning of October, that time frame, I want you to think for just a moment that you are playing in the World Series. And the series is tied three games all. The winner of the seventh game is going to take the World Series championship. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. The score is tied five to five. The bases are loaded. And you step up to the plate. The count is full. Three balls two strikes. I mean, literally, the World Series is in your hands. And you're thinking about that moment. You're wondering what you're going to do. So you call timeout. You trot over to the dugout about halfway out. The coach meets you, and you have a little pep talk. You need a little bit of encouragement. And he looks you square in the eyes, and this is what he says. It's time to get serious. It's time to get serious. And although we're not competing today in a World Series baseball game, we are in this game, the game of life. What we're competing in is even more valuable than a World Championship game. And the time has come for all of us to get serious about our faith. So for the next few moments, I want to lay three truths on your heart in a message that I've simply entitled, It's Time 
to get serious. If you're taking notes, I want you to notice first the opportunity to follow Jesus. Now in verses 31 through 33, Jesus explained to the disciples the purpose for which he came. Now just as John chapter 4 verse 4 says, I love this in the King James Version, the Bible says that he must needs go through Samaria. Did you catch that? He must needs go through Samaria. And here in Mark 8, 1, Mark says that the Son of Man, listen to this, must suffer, he must be killed, and then in three days he will rise again. Now we hear that and we think about that and we've heard that before, but I want you to put yourself in the position and the shoes of these disciples. They are hearing these words for the very first time. And I bet many of them are scratching their heads going, what in the world is he talking about? Jesus has said to us that he's going to suffer? To be sure. That he's going to be killed? No way. And then in three days he's going to rise again. What in the world is he talking about? So Jesus here gives a prophecy concerning what is about to take place. As I've mentioned before, we've been in the region of Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is making His way from Galilee down to Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem for a purpose. He's going to the cross. So the disciples didn't fully understand what He's taken place, but yet we're fortunate today because you and I live on this side of the cross. We're able to look back. We've got the full, complete revelation of God. We're able to see what happened, but the disciples... We're not fortunate in that regard. But one of the things that I want to point out to you that we cannot miss here is the fact that we see Jesus' omniscience. The fact that Jesus is all-knowing. That He knows the past, He knows the present, and He knows the future as well. There's not anything that Jesus does not know. He knows everything. Think about this. He knows the thought that you're going to think before you think it. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He knows what you're going to do before you do it. And, and, and there isn't anything he doesn't know. So as Jesus says these words to Peter, man, this, this hit a wrong chord with Peter. This rubbed Peter the wrong way. I mean, Peter's the big burly fisherman. Peter jumps up and Jesus says, No way! What in the world are you talking about? And he begins to rebuke Jesus. Now think about this. What I pointed out last week. This same Peter, he just said, You, Jesus, you're the Christ. And in the next moment, he rebukes Jesus. Now, Peter was ready to say that Jesus is Lord, but he wasn't ready to say that Jesus would die. Man. I mean, can you imagine the scene? And then Mark goes on to say that Jesus rebuked Peter, and he said these words. He said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. Don't miss this. In a split second, Peter took his eyes off Jesus and put them on the circumstances around him. I've said this time and time again as we've been moving through Mark's Gospel. And how easy is it for you and I to do the very same thing? I mean, think about it. He just uttered the words. They just came out of his mouth. You, Jesus, are the Christ. 
And then in the next breath, no sooner than he had uttered those words, he's walking by the flesh and not obeying the Spirit. He's walking by the flesh and not obeying the Spirit. In that moment, he begins to follow the world, the flesh, and the devil. And oh my, my, how guilty are we. Amen? I fall into that same camp with Peter. I'm guilty just like Peter. Well, praise God. <laughs> I love this. Grace was being extended back then. And the same grace of God is being extended to us today. That's good news today. Praise God that there's an opportunity, another opportunity to follow Jesus. The greatest opportunity is to follow Jesus, to turn from your sins, and to passionately pursue Jesus. You see, that opportunity has been made available to you right now. The opportunity was extended to the disciples. The opportunity is being extended to you today as well. And could it be this morning? Could it be that you've been so consumed by the bad news that you've missed the good news? You've missed the glorious news of the gospel and the fact that the gospel has the power to change lives and to save souls. You see, you've been given another opportunity today. Nobody under the sound of my voice, either here or watching online, will ever be able to say, I've never been given an opportunity to follow Jesus. Because the opportunity is being extended to you right now. You know, I will be reminded, and have you be reminded of Joshua's words. Joshua said, choose for yourself this day who you will serve. But as for me, that's personal. But as for me, I'm taking ownership of that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? We're going to serve the Lord. So you have a choice. And why not take advantage of the opportunity that's been given to you? So not only is there the opportunity to follow Jesus, I want you to notice, secondly, the requirements for following Jesus. We find this in verses 34 and 35. The requirements for following Jesus. So Jesus said, if you choose to follow me, this is what you must do, first and foremost. You've got to deny self. Now, if you want to get somebody fired up, you tell them they got to deny self, right? I mean, we're living in a me-centered society. You just got to deny yourself. What? Come on, are you kidding me? So what you've got to realize is this, that life is not about you. Amen? That the world does not revolve around you. In, in other words, you've got to come face-to-face -face with the fact that it's not about you. Life's not about you. I've said this before. We like to, to love on the unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I, right? We're all about some me. Some me time. To be by myself. To do what I want to do, right? To do what I want to do. But you've got to realize that in your heart of hearts, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about Jesus. And I believe that's one of the things that Jesus was trying to instill in these disciples when he said to them, Hey guys, you've got to deny yourselves. Deny yourselves. So Jesus is the one who's given us life. He's the one who gave them life. That's why I keep coming back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't miss this. Verse 17. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was already condemned. But that the world through Him might be saved. We, we love John 3.16 and people will even hear John 3.16 and say, Well, why do I need Jesus? You need Jesus because of what's stated in verse 17. You're condemned already without Jesus. You and I are condemned. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you and that's me. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So what you and I get as a result of our sin is not only physical death, but eternal separation from God. But praise God, I love Romans 5.8. I love that. I love Romans 5.8. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God for that. While I was walking in my sin, up to my eyeballs in sin, Jesus still came and died in my place. That's good news. And then the Bible says in Romans 10, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved from what? The world, the flesh, and the devil? Saved from self? Saved from me, myself, and I? It all goes back to the fact that you've got to deny yourself. You've got to agree with God and recognize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And you've got to repent of your sins and put your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor, I've heard you say that week after week. Why are you saying that again? Because I've heard it and I've trusted Jesus, but I need to hear it again. Amen? I need to preach the gospel to myself before I preach the gospel to others. I need to hear the gospel. I need to be reminded of the gospel. And it goes back to what I heard a number of years ago at a youth camp down at Fort Caswell. It was Ed Newton that said, he said, the gospel's not just for unbelievers. The gospel's for believers. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves each day. How would your life change if you woke up tomorrow morning, God gives you another day, and you say, thank you, Jesus, for this day. I've got to preach the gospel to myself. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. Thank you, Jesus, for doing what I could not do for myself. Thank you for being buried in that tomb. Thank you for resurrecting from the grave on the third day, and I'm going to live today for you. And not for me. How would your life change if that was the mindset that you had? Listen to what the Bible says. Not only do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in that moment when you do that, God saves you. Absolutely, He saves you. The Bible goes on to say that you're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, that you've been created to glorify God with your body. That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You've been bought with a price. Thus denying yourself and saying with John the Baptist, He must increase, but I must decrease. You talking about self-denial? John the Baptist understood that. He said it's Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's got to increase. I've got to decrease. He understood that. But not only does Jesus say that you deny him. Here's another thought. Jesus gave up 100% of himself. Why should you give him any less? Why should you give him any less? Well, Lord, if I have time, I'll do it. 
if I'm not too busy. If you have time for crying out loud, you've had 12 months of time, amen? You've been confined to a house, to a room. He's given us time. Why should we give him any less? So not only do you deny yourself, listen to what the Bible goes on to say, you take up your cross. You take up your cross. Now life is difficult. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it this morning. I'm not going to try to say follow Jesus and everything's going to be like a bed of roses. You're never going to have another problem, never going to have another trial. You turn on the television and hear that garbage. No, that's not truth. The truth is that if you follow Jesus, you're going to suffer. What did Jesus say in verse 31? He said, the Son of Man must suffer. Don't think for a moment Jesus didn't suffer. One of my kids asked me just the other night, we're going through the Jesus Story Bible, a wonderful Bible if you want to do that with your kids. I would encourage that. They've actually got a plan that we're doing going through uh, 40 days of Lent. And we're just rereading the stories that we've already read. But my kids love them. I mean, we'll read a story and they're like, can you read one more? Can we read one more? And I don't know if they want to do that just because they want to hear another story or they don't want to go to bed. <laughs> but we're reading through that. And, and, and one of them asked me a question about why does this happen and why does that happen? And not to try to make light of it, but it all goes back to sin. There's an old VBS song we used to sing that went like this. Sin messed everything up. Everything up. Everything up. Sin. That's the reason. So life is difficult. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Life is difficult. Opposition is going to come your way. So then, for the believer, for those who are in Christ, what does it mean to take up your cross? Well, I'm glad you asked. It means to deny self and live each day for Jesus. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? It's not that simple, but it sounds pretty simple. You see, a condemned criminal was forced to carry the bar of his cross to the place of execution. You and I are to take up our cross, to put aside our desires, our ambitions, and to concentrate solely on following Jesus, pursuing Jesus, pursuing holiness, Pursuing righteousness. It's not easy. But somebody's got to do it, amen. The disciples, you know what they said? We're in. We're in. Even Peter, when he, when he uh, uh, jumped in Jesus' face here, eventually he said, I'm in. I, I, I'm in. I'm going to do what it is that you've commanded me to do. It, it's not easy, but here's the takeaway. You can't do it in and of yourself. And neither can I. That's why you rely on the Spirit that lives within and not your own strength and power. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you and to direct you. And when you're to take up your cross, listen to this. I'm reminded of a song. Any of you ever heard the Crab Family? The Crab Family sings a, a song called Through the Fire. Listen to these lyrics. And I quote, He never promised the cross would not get heavy and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victory without fighting but he said help would always come in time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the, adver the adversary says give in, just hold on. Our Lord will show up and he'll take you through the fire again. End of quote. Amen. That's good stuff, right? Daily you're to deny self. You're to take up your cross, 
God's promised you he's going to never leave you. He's going to never forsake you. That he'll be with you until the very end. So as a believer, this is what you've been charged with. To take up your cross. To deny yourself daily. And I think most importantly, it's to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. You say, well, I've messed up. What did I say earlier? God's gracious, right? He's extending his grace. And this is what my Bible tells me. Write this down. 1 John 1, 9. My Bible tells me that if I'll confess my sins, then he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's one of those verses you need on Memory Bank 1. Y'all remember those old uh, touchstone phones you'd program the memories in? Now, now we've got everything digital, cell phones. Nobody even knows their number today. Hey, what's your number? I don't know. Let me look it up, right? But, but we would program those memory banks. And that's one of those verses you need on memory bank one. As a believer, you confess your sins. If you've messed up, hey, join the crowd. Everybody else has messed up too except for Jesus. And you ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you from that. And you keep on keeping on for Jesus. I mean, think about Peter. We're talking about Peter in the account that's before us, the text that's before us. He rebukes Jesus. Later, he went on to deny Jesus. He rebuked Jesus again. But I love what happened following that account. I mean, Peter was heartbroken. He was sorrowful. Not just sorry for his sin, deep within. He was burdened. His heart was broken that he had denied his Lord and Savior. But yet Jesus reinstated him. And then after that, he's still worried about other things and other people. He was worried about the fact that Jesus was going to die. And then we learned that he's worried about John. Uh, Jesus, what's going to happen to John? And listen to what Jesus told Peter. He said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? What does that matter to you? You follow me. You follow me. It's all, uh, Peter's on a mountaintop. He's down in the valley. He's on a mountaintop. He's denying Jesus. He's reinstated. He, his life's like that. And we can relate to that, amen? If you can't relate to that and you say, Preacher, everything's perfect in my life. Well, praise Jesus, amen? You see me afterwards and rub my... Just rub some of that on me, tops. And I love what happens in Peter's life afterwards. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we learn in Acts chapter 2 that Peter does what he could never do in and of himself. The Holy Spirit is upon his life. He preaches the gospel. Lives are changed. 3,000 souls are saved. The church is growing. If anyone has need, and listen to this, God's being glorified. Church, what would happen right here in our community, in our church, if we lived that out every day? Somebody's in need. We're helping them. We're giving to them. And don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not saying you don't do that. You're a, a loving, generous Praise church. Praise God for that. If there's a need, you guys stand up and meet that need immediately. So, so, so what's the challenge? To keep on keeping on, right? To keep on doing it. There's another need that comes up, we meet that need. Another need that comes up, we meet that need. And we keep showing the love of Jesus to others in a real and practical way. So what are you to do? You're to follow Jesus. You're to take up your cross. You're to deny yourself. As B.B. McKinney said in 1936, Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. 
I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. That may be to the neighbor next door, the person across town, the person in another state, in another country. Wherever he leads, I'm willing to go. As Isaiah said, send me, Lord, I'll go. Now let's come back to verse 35 and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Verse 35, listen to what Jesus said here. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. I love what John Piper says here, and I quote, he says, a life devoted to being accepted, getting earthly glory, avoiding all suffering, having as much comfort as you can, being as safe as you can, and not putting yourself in any risk, that's saving your life. Result, lose it, meaning forever, end of quote. The Apostle John said it this way, he who loves his life, loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. What is Jesus saying here, preacher? It all goes back to self-denial. You, you can't follow yourself and Jesus. You hear me? You can't follow yourself and Jesus. Ed Newton said this one time as well. There's only two choices on the shelf. That's what it goes back to. It, it's self-denial. The requirements for following Jesus. I, I love this. You lose it by surrendering your life to Jesus. Salvation equals surrender. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. And there's a great reward for the life that's fully surrendered to Jesus. Third and finally, the tragic results of not following Jesus. The tragic results of not following Jesus. You know, from a young age, we're taught that you've got to fend for yourself. You've got to do well in school. You've got to make good grades. You've got to get into college. You've got to get a good job. If you don't look out for yourself, who is? You've got to look out for self. You've got to climb the corporate ladder. You've got to invest wisely. You've got to make all the money you can. You get all you can. You can all you get, and you sit on the can. You get all you can, you can all you get, and you sit on the game. Man, that's a prosperous life for Jesus, isn't it? I mean, in a world and a society that instills in you this idea that you've you got to do everything you can from within and possess as much as you want. And, 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 and listen to me. The average goal of the American, American citizen, is to gain the whole world. If I could only gain the whole world, you'd be miserable without Jesus. You'd be miserable. But this is what I want you to think about. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what good is it for me to gain the whole world, everything, and to forfeit or lose my soul? What good is that? I mean, we're talking about your soul. You can't see your soul, but it's the essence of who you are. It's the, the core of your being. I keep going back to what C.S. Lewis once said because it just hits me right square in the chest. Lewis said, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Gaining the whole world, pursuing your own self-interest, 
everything is about you. When the reality is that one day, just as sure as you've been breathing, you will stop breathing and you will die. I mean, what a tragedy it would be to live a self-centered life for 80 to 100 years and spend eternity separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell because you did not willingly surrender your life to Jesus and follow Him. Verse 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me, whoever is ashamed of me, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him. Instead of hearing the bad news, I hope and pray this morning you've heard good news. I hope through this message you've heard the fact that the gospel is alive, that Jesus is real, that it's the power to change lives, that it's the power to save soul, souls. And what Jesus says here, and this is the challenge for us today, the challenge for us is it's time for all of us, believers especially, including your pastor, all of us to get serious about what you believe. In Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul that denied Jesus, that had Christians murdered, his life was radically changed, and he would go on to say these words. He said, I, Paul, am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So this morning, as a believer, can you honestly say with Paul, I want you to fill your name in the blank here. I, Brad, now don't say Brad, don't say preacher. I, you fill your name in, I, Brad, am not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. I mean, it's time to get serious about our faith. It's time to get serious about what God has called us to do. But, but maybe you're here this morning or watching and you say, I'm not yet a Christian. And, and I love the not yet part. I'm not yet a Christian. Because our prayer is that you will become a Christian right now, even today. You know, people do everything they can within their power to save themselves. But the reality is, you can't save yourself. I can't save myself. That's why I need Jesus. That's why there's a time and put my trust and faith in Jesus. You see, the Bible says that life is like a vapor. Just the other morning, I walked outside on the side porch, and when I do, my kids will come to the, the side door that's glass, and they'll smile and laugh, and I mean, it's precious. But I was standing outside, and I started doing this. I was blowing. I'm not going to blow in here, but I was blowing. And, and you could see, it was so cold outside, the vapor would come out, and in just a second, it was gone. That's what the Bible says this life is like compared to eternity. It's here one minute, and it's gone the next. So, in closing, when was the last time that you seriously gave eternity thought? That you seriously considered your soul? And what will happen to your soul when you breathe your last breath? You know, as someone once said, eternity is too long to be wrong. So why not settle that right now? Why not settle that once and for all? Why not right now say yes to Jesus? I'm going to ask, if you will, to stand for just a moment. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Perhaps you're here today or you're watching online and you say, 
Pastor, there's never been a time in my life that I've said yes to Jesus. And the Spirit of God has done what only the Spirit of God can do. And that's grab a hold of your heart this morning. And you say, Preacher, I need to put my trust and faith in Jesus. What do I need to do? The Bible says this. Confess your sins. You say to Jesus, right now as I'm speaking, you say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And my sin separates me from you. But I believe that Jesus died in my place. He died for my sins. And right now I turn from my sins and I trust Jesus with my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for saving me, and for giving me life. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that this morning, we want to know about it. We want to encourage you. We want to help you in your faith journey. So if you're watching online and you prayed to receive Jesus, let us know in the comments or either send us a message. You've been listening to Changed by His Word, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by this message. If you have any questions about the message or about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact Pastor Brad at changedbyhisword at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.